are listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. We are, uh, we've had just an amazing show. Some real uh, inspiring guests. Amazing, it's flying by. uh, Brother and sister Elizabeth and Vincent, just uh, beautiful things happening. Uh, we, but we're going to move on. We have another amazing guest. And as a, again, as I was talking to Amy yesterday and, and uh, talking through some of the names, she said, what? I know, Catholic League, Bill Donahue? Are you Bill kidding Don- me? I said, uh, Bill Donahue's going to be on. Bill Donahue! Yeah, so <laughs> Bill, welcome to, to Real Presence Radio Live. Well, thank you, Jack and Amy. It's my pleasure to be with you. And Bill, where are you joining us from? New York City, the, 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 the armpit of America, that's what it's become. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right across the street from Madison Square Garden, Penn Station, and look down the block at the Empire State Building, and look out over the other side to New Jersey, and look out one window, and that's, uh, that's where we saw the, the, the Twin Towers go down that fateful day. Right. So we're, uh, this area is, is loaded with, it's, what, it's the highest crime area in, in New York City is the area where I work. Oh, wow. I have a daughter in a monastery in Brooklyn, so we get okay. there every once in a while. And it is a shocking difference from Rapid City, South Dakota, I will well, tell you I that. I imagine so. You guys are normal. Yeah, yeah. Well, we like to think so. Well, Bill, we uh, would love to talk about your book that I was looking at it today. I purchased it uh, today, and I realized that today was the first day the first you could day. purchase it. Like, it's t- today's the day. Yeah, and I'm getting a copy for my father because he's going to love this. <laughs> well, Tell thank us. you. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, uh, it's off to a good start. The comments I'm getting from a lot of important people is, uh, is very encouraging because basically it's one of these books where I'm just fed up like everybody else, and I'm trying to explain what's gone wrong in this country. Mm-hmm. And so tell us a little bit about yourself for those people that aren't geeks like me that <laughs> was ecstatic to hear your name and about this book that you've written. Sure. Um, I was uh, born in New York City and uh, raised there in Long Island, and I uh, wound up in the United States Air Force for four years during the Vietnam War period. Uh, I didn't serve in Vietnam. I was in a place which was actually much worse than Vietnam. It's called Northern California. <laughs> Uh, so, in any event, uh, I went on. Uh, I was trained as an accountant, and uh, I didn't like that uh, field. So I, I wound up speaking. I wound up teaching uh, back in the early 1970s in a very dangerous neighborhood in Spanish Harlem with black and Puerto Rican kids in a Catholic school. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I loved my kids. And uh, took them to baseball games, made sure they could read and write. And yes, and this is a big part of the book, what we're doing with African Americans is wrong. The white ruling class, the well-educated people, have basically thrown in the towel. They're giving up on them. But just to finish the loop here, then, yes, I went on and I got a, uh, uh, my bachelor's from NYU. Then I went to the New School for Social Research for my master's and my Ph.D. in sociology back to NYU. I was trained by the left. I was trained by the Marxists. I know the way the left thinks. I know the hatred that they have for human nature, for God, for Western civilization, for America. I was taught by them. I know how they think. And I've debated them all my life. And I went on and became a college professor at a small Catholic school in Pittsburgh, uh, LaRoche College, now a university, and was there for 10 years, and then a year at the Heritage Foundation in Washington after my first book, and then went back to the college for five years. And I came back home to New York in 93, 
to take over as the president of the Catholic League. We will celebrate our 50th anniversary a week from Thursday. And I am president of the Catholic League for 30 of those 50 years come July the 1st. And it's been a good run. And uh, I love defending the church. And I love taking on its enemies. Amen. And so you've written this book, The War on Virtue. So what are the main morals and virtues that you defend and present in this book? Well, you know, I'd written a previous book on why Catholicism matters, and I talked about the four cardinal virtues and their application to Catholic teaching. This Mm -hmm. book is different. This book, I wanted to find out what is it that makes people successful, individuals, and then I looked at demographic groups, and they all have the same things in common. I call them the vital virtues, because if you have these three virtues, it doesn't guarantee success. But I can guarantee if you don't possess them, you're not going to be a success. And I'm talking about a sense of personal responsibility, a sense of self-discipline, self-control, and perseverance to be gritty, not to give up. Now, if you embody these three virtues, you will likely be a success. And I don't care what your field is of, of life is. You could be an athlete. You could be a, a drummer. You could be a dentist. Or anybody who's a success. It's not just on raw talent and skill alone. You have to work hard on it. You have to exercise self-control. Yeah, in order to do your homework, you have to have self-control. You have to persevere when you run into uh, an obstacle, an adversity, as we all do in life. And you have to be able to uh, exercise uh, personal responsibility. Even if the cards that you were given are not really fair, only you can make, make your life better. Uh, through the help of God, of course. So I, I look at four demographic groups in particular. I look at Asians and Jews and Mormons and Nigerians. All four of them embody the vital virtues. They're a smashing success economically and educationally. And they all come from, for the most part, that is to say, intact father and mother families. That's the key, because if you don't come from a family, that you're in trouble. Right. Um, and I used to be the director of Family Life Ministries here in the diocese, and so I can absolutely testify to the importance of mom and dad present in the family. Now, Bill, yes, you and, and we're talking about mom and dad. We're not talking about two parents. That's very yeah. important, right? Men bring a certain attributes that women don't have, and women bring certain attributes to the family that men don't have. We are complementary. Children need a father and a mother. They don't just need two people, and that's a very important statement here. And if you come from intact families, you're likely to have these vital virtues and go on and succeed. But the biggest complaint I have in the book is that the ruling class, which is mostly white, well-educated, and affluent people, they have basically given up on black people. They are the ultimate racist. It's not the white supremacist crazy nut jobs that might be out there. It's the people who claim to be on the side of African-Americans. Not all of them, of course, but too many of them. And that's why they're willing to write checks and reparations and equity education and let's discriminate against everybody else in order to move these people forward. If you really believe that blacks were equal like whites, and they are, of course, and everyone's equal in the eyes of God and in in the eyes of the law, then you treat people equally. You don't cut the brakes because we know what's underlying this, this attitude. It's an attitude that you just... On, you just don't have the tools to make it a, as a success. So we're going to push you across the finish line. That never works. Mm-hmm. 
Bill, when I, uh, I'm not sure what you have against drummers, but I, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I used to be a drummer in high school, so I, I understand why. I understand why you say it's, it's possible for them too. But when I looked at your uh, three vital virtues of personal responsibility, self-control, and perseverance, uh, when I read that, just kind of in your introduction, I thought, oh my goodness, yeah, those are the things that you, we're habituated against in our culture. Like those th- three things, I think you've nailed it, are, right. are under attack more than anything. Well, we've disabled the family in many respects, and look what we've done. With, you know, the African-American family survived through slavery and racial discrimination. It wasn't in, in great shape, but not in bad shape as recently as 1950. What happened in the 1960s, we came in with the welfare state, which was predicated on the idea of using blacks as pawns to promote a political agenda. It's all detailed in the book. The War on Virtue, I have hundreds, as I always do, hundreds of footnotes. So this is not, I don't look at some right-wing sources. I'm looking at scientific stuff. I'm looking at the evidence collected by social scientists. I'm looking at, indeed, very mainstream sources to make the point that everybody can succeed if you give them the opportunity to imbue and to inculcate these uh, vital virtues. And if not, you're basically saying, well, you can't cut it. And, and, and that's why I have a part in the book uh, where I mention someone whose name almost nobody knows. I'm trying to introduce him to American people. He's a man out of the 1850s. His name is George Fitzhugh. George Fitzhugh was important because he was America's first sociologist. My doctorate's in sociology out of NYU. And I choose him because he was a man of the left, considered to be a progressive, and he argued in favor of slavery. Now, why would he do that? Because he came right out and said, blacks are basically stupid people. You can't teach them anything. And if you allow the end of slavery, then they have to compete against the white man in the market capitalist economy, and they can't do so. So if you keep them as slaves, he said, they are the freest and happiest people on earth. That, of course, is a racist idea. That idea was picked up again during the progressive era, and it's it's still there today. People don't come right out and say it quite like they did back in the 19th century, but the undertone is there. We know you guys just can't cut it like the rest of us, so we'll, we'll, we'll fix things for you and make you succeed. That is racist. I've worked with blacks uh, a good part of my life as a college professor. I was the faculty advisor to the basketball team and worked with the black students, and I, again, I'm with Spanish Harlem. Uh, everybody can succeed if you give them the right uh, virtues and if you also respect uh, the integrity of the nuclear family. Yeah, and you talk about these bedrocks of the virtue um, in your book. Um, I don't know if we have time before the break for you to get into that. Well, you know, the, the vital virtues are, are, are indeed, that's it. But if you, don't, if you, have a, if you come from a disabled family, then, then you're not likely to, to get them. Uh, you know, the, the, the one-parent family is, is at a marked disadvantage. And so we should, the, the, the ruling class should be supporting it. Instead, what we're teaching in the schools, and I have, it all, I have it all documented, we're teaching in the schools that the nuclear family is not the right model, Every family arrangement is equal. In fact, Black Lives Matter came out and said we need to destroy the nuclear family. I think people are going to be shocked when they read The War on Virtue. They're not going to believe some of the stuff, but it's all true. 
Bill, this is a, this is an amazing conversation. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and uh, hopefully, when we come back, our listeners will be able to hear a little bit more about your book, some of the uh, bedrocks of virtue that you discuss in in the book, and and w- hopefully, what you've laid out here for us is a plan of how do we how do we get back on track, and how do we um, you know what what your work is about uh, defending really the the Catholic ideal in the in America today. All right, join us uh, shortly here after the break. We have Bill Donahue here with Real Presence Radio Live. We'll see you in a few minutes. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. I would say um, where Catholic Radio has played a pretty important role in my faith is I, I'm a scientist, so I, I think of everything kind of in knowledge and intellectual terms. So Catholic Answers helped a lot, because I might have some questions or I, I, there was a lot that I wasn't aware of, and it always seems like the caller's questions were just timed perfectly for whatever I was wondering about or had questions about. So I was able to learn kind of piece by piece and, and build. And now with kids, yeah, I really like to hear Dr. Ray's show with all the little mm. discipline tips, because he makes it so simple. Yeah. Um, I think for me, you know, the history has, has been really interesting. You know, I grew up Catholic and we went to Sunday school and, and religious education, but you can always learn more and there's just, you know, there's only so much that you can learn, I mean, when you're just going once a week to religious education. So for me, it's just been really interesting to learn, you know, why do we do this or where did this come from or, you know, or to be able to answer questions when people have them. I think that's been the biggest help. Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In today's political and cultural landscape, it can be difficult to argue that there is an objective truth because in today's age, feelings and desires rule. In a word, sentimentality prevails. Because sentimentality prevails, we applaud grossly immoral behavior in the name of fairness. We cannot reason through issues because we wouldn't want to be mean. But Christ wants more for us than to be subject to sentimentality. He wants us to use our unique human reason to reach the truth about our world and the next. John 8.32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace. Power. Purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Well, welcome back. We are still here with Bill Donahue. I'm Jacques Daniel. This is uh, I'm here with Amy Julian, downtown Rapid City, broadcasting from the Diocese of Rapid City, beautiful downtown building. And uh, holy cow, it's been an amazing show this morning. We're holy back. cow. We're We've back. gone coast to coast, from San Diego <laughs> to New York and everywhere in between. And we are back with Bill Donahue talking about his uh, book that just dropped today, The War on Virtue. And Bill, you were telling us a, a little bit um, before the break uh, about um, some of the bedrocks. You talk in your book about four bedrocks of, of virtue that need to be in place that, uh, to help build these three vital virtues. What else can you tell us about the four bedrocks? What are they? 
Well, we certainly have to have the right family structure, the nuclear family, and not be working against it. When you have the Smithsonian Institute for African and, and uh, Cultural uh, History uh, in Washington, D.C., telling students, white and black students, that uh, the idea of hard work and self-reliance and Christianity, that's an example of whiteness. So now you're told it's, it's, you're, you're acting like whitey? if you believe in hard work and self-reliance? See, that to me is racist. And the idea that the ruling class, which is mostly well-educated white affluent people, are telling black students in particular, but also white students, uh, that we are too concerned about the scientific method and correct, correct spelling and correct mathematics. I'm not making this up. To teach two plus two equals four is now regarded as a white man's bias. They're teaching this in many of the schools in this country. So, so what should we do? Teach illiteracy? Uh, that this, this, this is, there are people in our society who want to bring it down, okay? We're not talking about people who make a mistake. We all make mistakes. We're talking about people here. That they don't, it's not most Americans. Most Americans are good people. But there is a segment of the elites, of, of the people who are making some very important decisions at the top institutions of our society who are not looking out for the best interest of our society. They want to defund the police. They want to do away with the prison system. It's all documented in my book. They don't believe in, 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 in education as, we as we've understood it uh, uh, for, for millennia. They certainly don't believe in school choice. They don't believe in the Catholic schools where I worked in the ghetto and, and, and how you can turn these kids around very quickly. Uh, they, they don't believe that, uh, that, that we should treat everybody racially equally. They believe in, in punishing the Asians in this country because they succeed too well in school instead of, instead of having everybody else model themselves on them. That's why I say the Asians, the Jews, the Mormons, and the Nigerians, they've all succeeded in education and in income because they practice self-discipline. They do persevere when they face adversity, and they accept personal responsibility. Now, notice two of the four. Asians and Nigerians are, quote, people of color. So if you're people of color, we've been told by the white ruling class you can't succeed. Tell that to the Asians and to the Nigerians who come over here. They succeed very, very well. Just don't disable the family, destroy the schools, and allow crime rates to go skyrocketing. And guess what? Things can get done. Well, it sounds like you lay out a plan for us in the book to be able to take our own steps to be able to um, defend our churches, our institutions, and our families. And so I look forward to reading more about that. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, quite one of the takeaways, I think, is this. We need to trust our gut more. Too many Americans have been impressed with people with alphabets after their name. All right, I have PhD. Fine. Guess what? I'm not saying you should disrespect doctors and PhDs and lawyers and whatnot. I'm not arguing that. I'm not even arguing that you should be cynical of them. I am saying you should be skeptical, increasingly skeptical. We were told during the pandemic a lot of things which turned out to be not true, and the people who told them at the time knew they weren't true. All right? We saw Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. We saw Bill de Blasio in New York and Nancy Pelosi in San Francisco and, and Gavin Newsom in California. We saw them partying up, never wearing a mask. Well, they told all of us, you must wear them. We've been sold the bill of goods, people. If you hear something from somebody who has the credentials 
and it sounds to you in your gut that it's wrong, trust your gut. Don't be taken by these people because there are too many people in elite positions in our society, I'm afraid to say, are no longer looking out for the best interest of America. Bill, I'm excited that uh, to read your book, and uh, thank you for joining us this morning. It sounds like uh, really a great opportunity to reflect on what are the, some of the challenges, and uh, you, by the tone of your voice, I can tell we're, we're done. We're done <laughs> placating uh, those uh, the ruling class and those who are um, offering supposed remedies, but really driving us down deeper uh, away from uh, God's given design for us and for humanity and for the culture. And going back to a life of faith and virtue. Well, that's, that's right. And, you know, and, and, and just like I say, trust, trust your gut. If somebody says to you, they teach this at Harvard Medical School, that men can get pregnant. Now, we all know that that's not true. We know it's a lie, in fact. So that's what I'm saying. Trust your gut, okay? Men can't become women. Women can't become men. You can't change your chromosomal makeup. You know, I mean, when, when I hear this kind of stuff, I said, we shouldn't depopulate the asylums. We need to build more of them. <laughs> I think I know what I want to put in there, too. <laughs> I mean, people just are, have been intimidated and afraid to speak up or you're being unkind to people. We are called as Catholics to do one thing in particular. We are called to tell the truth. And if we're not prepared to do that, then we're failing. All right. Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. I'm excited to read this, and your listeners can find the book today. It is dropping today. Sophia Institute Press, uh, The War on Virtue, Bill Donahue from the Catholic League. Thank you, all of our listeners who have uh, joined us today. What an amazing group of, uh, of people <laughs> from all, again... Every uh, walk of said, life, all over the country. Coast to coast. We've had a, a plethora of topics this morning. Yeah. And uh, just some, some amazing ways to grow in our faith and to continue to uh, live out. And so much hope from these young people, you know, from uh, Elizabeth and Vincent and Emily, you know, just seeing these faithful young Catholics carrying the torch on into the future. It just gives me so much hope. Yeah, what an exciting time to be alive. What an, you know, I, it's part of uh, looking at even Bill's book is, you know, there's a reality that the, the world is uh, crazy and closing in on us. And, uh, and yet, like uh, even St. Augustine and his writing The City of God, right, you know, in the midst of, of uh, the decay of, of Rome. Uh, civilization uh, the, as the he knew it. Civilization as he knew it. Like the Catholic Church has the answer. Yeah. Catholic Church has the answer. And so we, uh, we want to learn more about that and share that and yeah. drop all people into that. And Amen. even during the Dark Ages, it was the Catholic Church that had the light, that kept mm -hmm. the reason, kept science. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the Catholic Church is our bedrock that we can turn to. Amen. 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 Well, Jacques, it has been a pleasure to be with you here today. Yeah, it's been an amazing day. I know um, we, y thank you for jumping in and, uh, and what an amazing group of guests that we've had today. Uh, I know thank that you we'll, guys uh, so much. Thank you, Bill. You guys are the best. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Well, let's hear what's uh, what's coming up next. On the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, your hosts will be Father Jason Lefer and Father James Gross, live from the Grand Forks studio. <laughs> Their guests will include Deacon Curtis Kaufman, who is helping organize the 38th Annual UND versus NDSU Newman Center Bike Race. We will also hear from our very own Lori Calgard, who shall reveal who our RPR Spring Live Drive guests will be. All this and more is coming to you on the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. 
Well, that sounds great. Yeah. You know, this is uh, this has just been one of the uh, a great opportunity <laughs> this week as we uh, continue to enter into the the joy of Easter, that uh, that the Lord is at work, that the Lord is calling us uh, and providing graces for us to uh, be purged of our sins, to draw closer to Him. Um, we can do that surrounded by friends, uh, pulling lifting f- each other up, pulling fish out of out of the the river, <laughs> and. Uh, and walking with people as they uh, face, you know, a very uh, intense, beautiful moment in their lives and like birth of birth of a child, child birth yeah. of their family. And uh, as you said, just to being able to see the um, some of these college students, the young uh, students who are uh, responding to the gift of the Holy Spirit yeah. and, and the ministry that's happening on, on campuses here throughout the diocese. And, and especially in this... Uh Getting on to year two of the Eucharistic revival, making plans to bring Christ in the Eucharist to our cities and towns and our churches and people in the pews Mm -hmm. that we come to know and love our Lord Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament and follow him with all of our heart and all of our soul, all of our passion, our intellect. And, uh, you know, this real call to, uh, again, this call to virtue, this call to uh, live out our faith in a way that just doesn't uh, impact ourselves and doesn't just impact our, our home, but impacts the world and uh, offers a light, salt and light to, uh, to, the, to the world. Yeah. Amen. And I'm grateful to have faithful friends and a faithful radio station like Real Presence Radio that brings all of this together. Thank you again for joining us. God bless you. Uh, We'll catch you next time on Real Presence Radio Live. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live. Local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.